Hello, everyone, and welcome to Investing.com's very own financial podcast, The Bell Ringers. Uh, I'm here today with my good buddy and senior analyst, Jesse Cohen. What's up, everybody? And like every week, we're going to be going over the hottest topics of last week for three minutes. It's going to be a bell, and we're going to be moving on to the next topic. So, Jesse, a lot on our plate uh, this week. Absolutely. We had last week's Trump tariff shocker, which rattled markets on Friday. We had the Fed, uh, which came off as more hawkish than expected. And we also had some earnings as well from names like Apple and uh, Advanced Micro Devices. And turning our attention to the week ahead, obviously, we're going to talk about our expectations for what we think uh, the markets will do in the coming days. Well, yeah, it's been interesting on Friday, so we'll see where we pick up. Absolutely. And again, we'll focus in on some earnings. There's some media companies like Disney, as well as some ride-sharing companies like Uber and Lyft. Finally, we'll also talk about our stocks of the week, uh, Trading Desk for me, and CVS Health for you. Yes, yes, indeed. All right, so let's uh, let's start three minutes on President Trump Chinese tariffs. You know, we we've talked about it off offline, really, and we said that look, the market can be focused only on one thing at a time. And just as a Fed was finishing up its business, President Trump stepped right into the spotlight and announced a new series of tariffs. Markets didn't like it. Well, obviously, we, major blows this week the market took. It's a, a, a one-two punch. You know, fri- uh, on Wednesday, we had we had the Fed, which disappointed. Um, Friday, we had... More on that in a minute, by absolutely, the way. Absolutely, absolutely. Friday, we had uh, Trump's, uh, you know, surprise announcement there, which really uh, shook shook markets uh, to, the, to the core there. Uh, the S&P and the NASDAQ both had their worst week of the year. Uh, we saw dramatic moves in the bond in the bond markets with the ten-year yield uh, falling to the lowest level since November uh, 2016. So really, what we see here, you know, markets are rattled, markets are nervous, markets are jittery, and the question is really the the timing of 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 Trump's tweet. Some are saying really, perhaps there might have been a hidden agenda there. You know, it, it's always the same question when you're talking about Trump. Some people are like, he's a genius, and he knows exactly what he's doing. And you have the other people that says, you know, he just goes off whatever he thinks about off the top of his head. But but really, so just so we're on the same page, we're talking about tariffs on another $300 billion in, in Chinese products. That's on top of the other $250 million. So that's basically now everything from China. Nearly all imports from China will be subject to tariffs if... Donald Trump does indeed follow through with this threat on September first, and, and and really the, the he 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 kind of uh, you know the, the the way he worded the the threat was if China doesn't come to the table and you know come to uh, uh, showing signs of progress and goodwill here, then the follow through will come. Now the thing is the Chi- uh, Chinese and U.S. De- uh, the delegations, the trade delegations, met in Shanghai earlier this week. There were. No, maybe no signs of progress, but definitely no signs of escalation in tensions. No, it didn't seem like we were going for another round of surprise tariffs. Both sides agreed to continue working. Both sides agreed to meet again in Washington D.C. in early September. That's why Trump's, uh, uh, you know, the, the the announcement was such a surprise. And looking forward, I'm really looking forward to see what China will do. And you know, and That's I've heard a, a response be the from China. China doesn't want a trade war, but it will fight one if necessary. 
right? That's one of the spokeswomen for China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Absolutely, says. they've they've been repeating the same message. I mean, China, you know, they're they're not going to go down, you know, just bowing down to Trump and you know submitting to to all, and caving into all his demands. I'm sure that this will be a long fight to come. Probably something that will continue even leading up to John to the uh, 2020 uh, election. Perfect timing on that one. Moving over to the second topic that rocked markets last week, the hawkish Fed meeting. No, let's let's call it what it is. The inability of the Fed and Jerome Powell to keep a story straight for more than 30 minutes. My question to you, my question to you, is this the worst Fed chairman in terms of commun- communication? Is this the worst Fed chairman we've seen? It's it's the it's the worst we've seen for a long time. Definitely. I mean, I don't remember I don't these days about with the Yellen. 1920s. Yeah, yeah, but it, it definitely in in the last 20 years. If we're talking modern, definitely. Janet Yellen, Ben Bernanke, Alan Greenspan all did much better jobs than than communicating to markets. You know, there was never an issue where there was a, a there was a segment in the press conference on Wednesday after we got the rate cut. We were all expecting the 25 basis point rate cut. We got it. There was a segment there in the post-meeting press conference. Obviously, Powell called it a mid-cycle adjustment rather than a series of, you know, uh, successive uh, rate cuts. The market tanked on that. Ten minutes later, Jerome Powell was asked the question. It was like, Mr. Chairman, uh, the market is tanking right now because you said that, you know, no more rate cuts are coming. He actually changed his message and said, well, there could be more than just one. So I mean it's, that it's, pretty much just that highlighted who really runs the Fed here. It's clearly markets. It's clearly Donald Trump. Who, less than two hours after that Fed meeting uh, was concluded, tweeted his displeasure. Of course, uh, saying you know we, we needed we a larger that, rate cut. We expected that. I mean Donald Trump wasn't gonna be happy almost no matter what Powell did. And I swear to God, if Powell were to cut fifty basis points, Donald Trump would be like, why not a full percent? You know, he'd probably so, have something to say so, so, say on that as well. So that aside, I think it's it's really sad the the state of the Fed right now. I'm really unhappy with what it is. I think you everybody's know, thinking guys, this. You're the guy supposing supposed to to bring less uncertainty to the market to communicate your policy, and then you know markets can always adjust. But the fact that we always want markets higher and higher and willing to do whatever, it's also creating some uncertainty and volatility. I mean, it's just a stupid way to run the central bank. Listen, just 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 look at the market reaction. The reality is that you know the Fed's intention was to ease monetary conditions. They did exactly the opposite. Equities plunged. The yield curve is flatter. The dollar is higher. So basically, you know, monetary conditions are tightening in the U.S. And not only that, if the Fed's message and Powell, you know, if his job was was to come out and and really uh, manage market expectations that He's uh, the worst. A of rate that. cut is not coming. We're, the we're, worst we're of pricing that. in a hundred percent rate cut in September at the moment. So think about that for a moment. If Powell's job was to come out and maybe manage expectations and say that a rate cut may, may be not on the table in in September, the markets are are pretty much dictating uh, to the chairman what he should do in Wait, September. Wait, so right now, do we see a mark a rate cut in September? At this point. We're a done deal. I I think it's a hundred percent wrong, a hundred percent policy error. But at this point, the Fed's hands are tied, and 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 Donald Trump knows this. He if if Powell came out and said, uh, 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 let me just go over a few more, a few more seconds here on this uh, to issue. Basically, Powell said the U.S. economy 
which the 50-year, uh, the unemployment rate is as a 50-year low. For all, we, for all we know, the employment, the, the economy is doing is doing a good job. He tied this rate cut to international global developments. You have Brexit coming up in in October. You're gonna have rocky uh, trade talks between the U.S. and China. So that's where you f- have rocky ASAP back from Sweden. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I like that one. Get back home ASAP. ASAP. <laughs> Ask. An- so, an- another so, yeah, proof that we live in really weird times and that whatever timeline we're on, it's like the weird the weird timeline right now. This is the the weird simulation. All right, so let's let's move on to Apple and AMD both reported earnings last week and really we got very different news from both companies. The market reacted that's maybe you know our winner of last week and our loser. Of last uh, week, well, based on the stock market or the stock performance of each, uh, yeah, I mean, what really stood out to me was AMD, which lost more than 13% last week. Uh, earnings and revenue for this quarter came in as expected, but really, what triggered the the, the selling was light guidance for the quarter ahead. Um, on top of that, even worse, uh, we saw maybe full year the, the full year earnings outlook uh, growth coming down to single digits. So that clearly caused the sell-off. In my opinion, markets might have been getting a, a bit ahead of themselves, especially when you uh, consider the broader implications of, of what caused of the course. market sell-off, the whole U.S.-China trade headlines. I'm, I'll be buying this dip in, in AMD. I, so I wrote about AMD, I think, not too long ago, and that was really my concern about it. And it's my concern with generally like heavy growth stocks. If something goes wrong, you can expect to plunge 10 to 15%. So you in my opinion you shouldn't never you should never be invested in those kind of growth stocks and if you want the upside you're going to have to deal with the downside. And having sometimes you know a lackluster guidance that causes the stock to dip 10%, that's just part of being an investor in those companies. So looking forward, you know you can expect more of that. We'll have more big days up, big days down. Generally, I'm I like AMD. I think it's it's coming back because Intel is screwing up basically. But again, you know, it's it's aggressively priced, so I mean, you should it's, expect it's, it to it's, go. It's still up sixty four percent year to date. So even after no last doubt. week's you know no dismal doubt. performance, still a strong strong uh, uh, outlook ahead. And our winner from last week is Apple, which even though th- things don't seem to be looking all that good and rosy for Apple, it's they're still managing to, you know, continue growth. And, uh, I'll tell you, well, the, the, the slowdown in the iPhone sales wasn't as bad as feared. Uh, we had a comment from Tim Cook on the earnings call saying that business conditions in China are improving. Uh, what stood out to me, really, was uh, re- remarkable growth in the wearables segment, uh, which uh, reflects uh, strong demand for AirPods and, uh, and the uh the iWatch. Yeah, nah, AirPods are crazy right now. So 48% year-over-year growth in wearables uh, to me was, you know, something that Apple definitely has something to build upon and go forward, especially if services might might not be as strong. I know everybody's waiting for the next iPhone to upgrade so we could expect some more weakness in iPhone's uh, sales going ahead. But the wearables in AirPods, you, I mean, you, 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 you just go downstairs and walk around outside. Oh, they're, they're everywhere. Everybody's wearing everywhere. AirPods. And as far as I'm concerned, really, Apple is, is really, you know, it's a solid stock to own. I don't but think again, you have a portfolio right now. Vulnerable that have Apple to the China headlines. And still, I don't think there's a portfolio right now without Apple in it. 
So uh, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, looking good going forward. No, 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 co no cause for concern at this point. All right. So that sums up our topics for last week. It's been a very eventful week. And uh, are you expecting such an eventful week, uh, this one as well? well? There's there's a lot of risk on our plates uh, in the week ahead. And what really makes it tricky is that we're light on the data. And so there won't be any big, you know, economic reports to, to, to move the markets. Instead, it'll be Trump tweets and it'll, it'll be headlines coming from China. Uh, you know, perhaps Which countermeasures. Which we really can't expect. We can't expect. Uh, that's exactly the thing. There's no economic calendar for Donald Trump tweets. So that There's should be what, what should, on paper, be one of the quietest week weeks of the month, really, because we're after the Fed, we're after everything. It's like kind of calm down kind of week. Yeah, exactly. And we it might actually extreme volatility. Let's just say the conditions are there, in my opinion, for a perfect storm of, of volatility. You know, we're we're I entering. Think every, everyone's on edge right now. We're entering a season, uh, you know, a seasonally weak month. Uh, I, I think uh, the past eight Augusts, six have been uh, negative. So when you think about that, uh, you know, you, we we we've got the uncertainty around the Fed. We've got uncertainty surrounding uh, the U.S.-China trade talks, and maybe in the back of our minds, we're starting to think about Brexit with Boris Johnson. Uh, you know, making some more waves. No, no one's thinking as about end of, that. End of October starting to approach, but overall, I wouldn't be surprised if the S and P, uh, you know, or markets in general, maybe start entering maybe more so more than a pullback and maybe correction mode i think i think it's still early to call it correction mode like if, if you're looking at what, what we're saying you know you're we're expecting a rate cut in september i mean can't how can the market really correct if if we're still heading in the direction that the market wants and well, i think my that my question to you is the balance right now my question to you is what if the market all of a sudden stops going up on rate cuts. What would happen then? How worrying would that be? I mean, you know, I've said that before. We're in a bull market, and this bull market is going to last as long as the Fed will support it. That's that's like a theme. That's something that I've been thinking and I've been saying for the past, like, months. And I really believe that. And I think that if the market at some point stop believing Powell or stop listening to Powell and and, you know, it should happen at some point because Powell is, is really untrustworthy at this point. You we, can't really trust what he we've said. We've got a couple of uh, Fed speakers on the calendar this week. Uh, St. Louis uh, Fed President James Bullard and Chicago Fed President Charles Evans are both uh, expected to deliver comments. I'm sure that, you know, Powell will guide them exactly, you know, what to clarify, what the market wants to hear. I don't know, man. Powell hasn't really been able to keep his guys in check over the past month. And we've seen that with the New York Fed president that's been blabbing and the Boston Ever. Fed president that's it's, been blabbing. It's just an all-around mess in terms of communication there. F for communication. I, for the I don't expect it to get any better. But let's move on. We got some earnings on the calendar, even though most of the, the big part is behind us. So no lightning round uh, this time around. But we still have a few companies to talk about. So let's start with our streaming companies. We're talking CBS, Viacom, and Disney all reporting this week. Yeah, yeah, that you know, that's uh, that should be interesting. Uh, actually, you know, like like you said, the bulk of earnings season is behind us. Uh, if if 170 companies reported last week, only 60 S and P 500 companies are reporting this week. Uh, but Disney, Disney, which reports, uh, what was it, Tuesday? 
Tuesday yeah, after Tuesday hours. After. Yeah. Tuesday after the bell. You know, all eyes will 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 be on 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 them. They're up uh, almost thirty percent this year. Uh, the the stock, huge winner uh, so far. And really, Disney Plus, uh, which is expected to launch in November. You know, all eyes will be surrounding that, and whether Disney can you know re- reveal any additional details. Yeah, I agree. In, in regards to what we can expect, and in, in, in terms of that. So on Disney, I'll have a full article coming out on Tuesday. I'll be sure to I, catch that one. Where I take a look at every segment, so like the parks, which is now their biggest revenue source. Incredible, incredible, and and, you, and box office too. Box office last, this year. I went to uh, I, I went to watch the Lion King uh, with uh, with the wife uh, last week. I'm not a big, uh, you know, dis- you know, the Disney movies are less my my thing, but I-, I sat through it and I enjoyed it. It was a great movie. But my worry with Disney going forward is that if we're looking at what what it's doing now, you know, the excitement surrounding Disney Plus, to me is maybe a little overhyped. I've crunched the numbers; it will not make such a drastic impact, and you'll have on all the numbers in my piece Tuesday, and. And if we're looking at the box office, I'm not sure that's something that Disney can really count on year in, year out. You well, know, they had some only major June, hits this year with the in Avengers. June this year, they broke the record for the box office. That's wild. $7.6 billion just in June. And that's without a new Star Wars that's coming out at the end of the month. You know, that at the end of the uh, year, sorry. I, I, it, it's like literally nobody's paying to watch movies anymore except... You know, if it's a Disney movie. But Disney's on a super roll this year. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, if you're investing long term, you got to ask yourself, okay, so the huge Avengers cycle is is done, right? And that movie that brought in $2.8 billion was 10 years in the yeah, making. Yeah, but I feel Ten like they'll, in the making. they'll always find, you know, a new movie, a new revenue stream. You know, my I, I got a three-year-old daughter. She's got huge into Frozen now. Yeah, that, that's what you little know, girls they're, do, they're, though. They're breeding a new generation of, uh, you know, fanboys and fangirls for the newest, uh, you know, Disney movie, whatever. I'm I'm a big fan of Disney, and I think that the stock will continue uh, So So don't get me wrong. I ahead. like Disney. And I think it's a solid company. And I really wish that they had a stronger dividend because that would really, you know, be a good cause for holding it. But I think maybe the stock has gotten a little ahead of itself. Uh, yeah. Well, in addition to Disney, we also get earnings from CBS and Viacom. Both report Thursday after hours. Uh, both are expected to merge uh, really later on uh, in the year. And, you know, that uh, CBS itself is entering into uh, streaming. So I'll be look, I'll be listening to see if they get provide any details regarding uh, CBS All Access and its Showtime streaming services as it also enters the streaming war here. But but really, if you compare CBS and Viacom and even combined and you compare it to like the Disney or the AT&T's, you still see it's a really it's a really small fish in a big pond still. That that's what worries me about and, it. And and again, the question is, how big of a pond will you know is is streaming really? I mean, CBS is up fifteen percent so far this year, so investors clearly see something there. All right, and our other two stocks, which we put together for ride sharing earnings, so we'll have both Uber and Lyft reporting this week. Yep, yep. You know, fresh off their IPOs. Uh, I mean, I I feel that. There's not much more I can say regarding these these two companies. Um, you know, Uber reports Thursday after the close. Uh, Lyft reports Wednesday after the close. Both aren't are, are expected to report a loss per share. Neither are seen towards oh, what, what a clear a big, path. What a big surprise! I mean, there's no clear path towards profitability. 
uh, you know, both are still struggling to monetize riders. Both are still struggling to 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 monetize, uh, you know, their, their their the user base and and so forth. I you know, I in, in terms of all the IPOs this year, I don't these like two it. have been uh, two of the you know, in terms of performance, some of the worst performers, and they're just not that interesting. I I think that the industry as a whole has yet to prove itself. And that's something that worries me. It's not even about Lyft. It's not even about Uber. It's about the business model. Is there a scenario where those two companies stop subsidizing I mean, rides and actually turn a profit on, you know, having people ride other people? And how, how, how do you monetize that, really? And, Once, and when, if, you, when you if look at this when, industry. Yeah. If and when they can crack that, then the whole then the industry becomes a game changer. I just don't think that they could crack that that code. And the problem for me is a problem of scalability. You know, as long as you need people to ride around other people, people are expensive. You can't get a person for what, you know, a robot will cost you. So looking forward, I think a lot of people have some hopes in Lyft and Uber that they can implement some sort of, you know, autonomous driving. That and would be to cut out the human factor and create some robo taxes like like Musk wanted. Now, if we're talking about that, now we're talking. But not, again, now we're, ta- but we're, now we're talking about we're like the Jetsons. You know, you can't, be, you can't be pricing something that might never happen and might happen at the earliest in like I don't know what, what five years. Yeah, I think uh, that's a bit generous. So, like for for me personally. They need uh, Uber and Lyft just need to to find a way just to start making money off off, off these users. I know Uber have a uh, Uber Eats, which uh, I'll be looking. Maybe they provide some some Where details. Where the competition is intense as well. There's there's a bunch of Deliveroo, companies like Grubhub, yeah, Deliveroo, and Grubhub that do that in yeah, the U.S. Yeah. as well. To me, I'm really looking forward. For, and I don't even know what I'm looking forward to. You know, I'm, I don't even <laughs> I th- know what I Uber and Lyft could that's say. The, that's what you know. That's what's bullish. worrying about about these companies and about this industry as as a whole. There's just not much to say. I have no idea what would turn me bullish. Like, wh- what can they say now to make me love them as stocks? I don't think there's anything. Well, for them, I guess they, it would be to maybe you know. I need to see the numbers. I need to see that it's all know, about managing expectations. There, really. And and obviously, you know, after overhyping the IPOs, and we that, saw that, that hasn't worked out. You know, Lyft Lyft is down twenty five percent from its IPO price. Uber's down around ten percent from its IPO price. Uh, you know, when you compare that to something like to a uh, Beyond Meat, for example, uh, just not even in the same league. You had to put Beyond Meat in there, <laughs> didn't you? You had to. I mean, when you're talking about IPOs in two thousand nineteen, I think that's that's. Can you not talk about pace. Beyond? So, yeah, exactly. All right, so let's uh, finish up this podcast with our. Stocks of the week. So you've chosen Trade Desk. You want to go first? Uh, Trade Desk. Yeah, let me go. Uh, All tra- right, a minute and a half. Go. Trade Desk uh, is a stock which I've uh, written about recently. Uh, basically, it belongs to uh, to the group of uh, uh, to really a group of stocks which have been powering uh, the market uh, uh, higher this year. It reports Thursday uh, after the bell. Uh, we're expecting earnings growth of thirteen percent and revenue growth of thirty eight percent. So definitely the uh, explosive uh, growth rates are, but still, are still lower there. than it used to be, right? We used to be in the forty-five percent. Absolutely, absolutely. But still, when 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 you consider, you know, where where this company is is going and where it's headed, uh, the stock is up one hundred twenty-five percent so far this year. 
really, uh, investors are growing you know, increasingly bullish on the digital uh, ad buying space. And Trade Desk has become the go-to name uh, in that industry. So what bodes well for them is re- recently Amazon announced a partnership with it, uh, Amazon's publisher services uh, platform, which is Amazon's uh, sell-side ad platform. So they're going to start working with the uh, Trade Desk. I'll be looking to hear to you know if there's any updates regards to that and how that can affect its full year guidance. Uh, one cause for concern, however, shares are a bit pricey at seventy at a forward PE ratio of seventy two. So really, I want to see something from that earnings report that will justify a further further room uh, to run. Just because the stock and is I'll up one hundred twenty percent. I'll tell you just one thing about Trade Desk and. I, I absolutely have a warm spot in my heart for companies that IPO profitable. If, if you're profitable as you IPO, automatically I have a tendency to appreciate you more and you're like I'm already okay with you. And, and I'll tell you, the, the, this group specifically, the enterprise software names, uh, someone like uh, like Zoom, Zoom, an IPO, which, you know, profitable IPO we just spoke of, I think Zoom is the only profitable IPO uh, this year, the only company which yeah, Pinterest IPO- was really close, but not there yet, and I think so, really Zoom was. So the enterprise software. You names, don't see those a lot. I'm telling you that. That's the, why I this, appreciate it. This group is definitely something to keep an eye on. All right, and I'll go now with CVS. So, if you're being following CVS, you've seen that there's a lot of news surrounding they they merging with Aetna, with Aetna right? Yeah. The, the the services provider, the health services provider, and the stock's really been hammered. Over the past, you know, m- months. Now, to me, I really feel like the worst days are behind it, and it's reporting earnings this week, and I'm I'm really looking forward to see what it can do. I think we're expecting a positive, the start of a positive trend when it comes to earnings. So we're supposed to see some earnings growth, which is very exciting because again, the stock's been very depressed. Uh, there's a nice 3.6 percent dividend. Oh, that's always nice. That makes it a nice place to really get into the company if you're looking to open a position. Uh, they're looking for cost-saving synergies of about $350 million now, and it's supposed to get better as well. So I'm, I'm, I really like those stocks that you know people don't like and that I don't kind know, of got like depressed. The stock is and in the... I feel is like it's priced for a pop to the upside, and I see how a good report now... You know, when everybody hates a stock and all of a sudden it shows signs of a turnaround, people like it. Wow. People start to like it and all of a sudden you can see a really a really nice pop. And that's what I'm expecting with uh, CVS this week. I'm expecting a good report. I'm expecting some positive news, a new trend of earnings growth. And I think that, you know, the, the worst days are behind it. And I'm looking forward to see what this stock can do for me in the future. I think there, there, there's some overall some worries about like the changing uh, U.S. drug landscape and maybe some uh, competition from Walgreens uh, could, oh, yeah. could the, impact. The, the entire uh, industry is not very loved right now. And really names that are in a downtrend, me personally, I like to stay away from them. So they've been stagnating. It hasn't really been a downtrend for the past few months. So I, I believe that there could be something there, and that's what I would keep my eye on this week. It's well, uh, it's a stock of the week. There you go. Dude. Stock of the week, uh, you know, usually tend to to perform. You go back and look at our history of our stock of the weeks uh, so far. It's been pretty good. The, the, the track record has been nice. I, I think maybe that should be a, a segment maybe going forward or maybe an article or something. Just a little roundup of how our stocks of the weeks uh, How wrong performed. were we? <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening in another week. 
of the Bell Ringers, Investing.com's financial podcast. Again, you can find my uh, good buddy Jesse Cohen here on Twitter at Jesse Cohen INV. You can find me at Clem Tebow. You can find the Bell Ringers at Bell Ringers Pod. Uh, we, we love to be here. Looking forward to your feedback. Send us some comments. Show, show us some love on Twitter. Rate us on the platforms on which you're listening. And we'll see you next week. May the trading gods be with you all. Have all right. a good one. Have a good one, everybody.